Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Callan FM. With me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. And this week, before our topical discussion, which is dealing with a cyber attack, just briefly glance over some other news that we've heard this week. MasterCard is facing the prospect of paying compensation to nearly every adult in the UK after a £14 billion damages claim on behalf of UK consumers. And Mark Carney tells global banks that they must not ignore the dangers of climate change. To quote Mark, he says, if some companies and industries fail to adjust to this new world, they will fail to exist. And Chinese tech billionaire billionaire Jack Ma says that it's a blessing for his staff to be working gruelling 12-hour shifts six days a week. The Alibaba founder came out in support of China's tough working hours in a speech to his employees. I don't know if that was meant to be a motivational speech or not, but there we go. So dealing with cyber attacks, something that I've had personal experience with recently. It's not nice, it's not big and it's not clever. And actually, although I, the organisation I'm involved with is a global organisation, I think it's safe to say that small medium-sized companies are probably most at risk because they don't have the deep pockets that um, a lot of companies have. And Again, the the large organisation that I work for that's just had a cyber attack has got enough in its pocket to be able to survive through the cyber attack. So, it, but if you're a small medium business and particularly small medium manufacturing businesses are at risk, then you do really need to start paying some attention. I looked at an article from um, a website called advancedmanufacturing.org and they were highlighting the the fact that small medium manufacturing companies are prime targets for cyber criminals because they don't have sufficient preventative measures in place. And this makes manufacturing companies incredibly vulnerable um, because they'll lose their information, which is critical to running the business, decrease in productivity, damage to information and information systems. Never mind the regulatory fines or penalties or legal fees involved in that adverse reputation or loss of trust from the customers and damage to credit and ability to get loans and also loss of income. It's very, very bad. So we thought we'd look at ways to deal with a cyber attack. And um, I started off by looking at a website called smallbusiness.co.uk, which we've referred to in the past a few times. And they've got an article on there called Dealing with Cyber Attacks in Five Easy Steps. Now, the steps might be only five and they might be easy steps, but they do take you thinking about them in advance. So first of all, apply any updates to your software and security systems as soon as they become available. Don't don't be lingering and, and allowing Windows to sit there without having connected and, and done whatever updates it needs to do. Because there is the temptation to do that because there you is. think, I haven't got time to do the update now. Yeah, it's a bit like with your which, phone. Yeah, yeah. The, the same, all those hundreds of apps that you've got on your phone. If you don't update them, you're leaving security flaws mm. in there that are, are known. And it's exactly the same with Windows. Uh, number two is backup. Backups should be performed on a regular basis, uh, on your particularly on your business critical data. 
and and, re- and reinstated. You have to, yeah. as my husband says, a backup's not a backup unless you can put it back. Put it back. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great having all that data sat there in yeah. a little metal box and you can't get it out. Yeah. Absolutely true. Um, use quality antivirus software. Software and back to the first point. Keep yeah. it up to date. Mm. Every day they're spotting new security flaws and and new cyber attacks. So you need to keep your um, software up to date. Understand your network defences and have them tested. So your firewalls and the things that are stopping the outside world getting into your systems. It's like, uh, you know, checking that the, if it was a physical system, it's making sure that your doors lock mm. and that your windows are shut at night. It's mm. the same sort of idea. And train your staff on what to do, particularly with some of these ransomware um attacks which have have come through maybe through phishing or some sort of clicking on a malicious file you need to train your staff in advance so they know what to do and how to spot these sorts of things heather what did you find well i found a really because this is this is a subject that is massive and it's it's a move it's only going to get bigger as well exactly it's changing all the time i found a really interesting infographic from 2017 um, and it says that actually 58 percent of data breach victims are small businesses so that backs up what you were saying earlier this one is i find quite alarming 60 percent of breaches come from insiders so that might not yeah. be sabotage. It might be inadvertently. You know, somebody brings something in on a memory stick. Somebody opens an email. Somebody shares a file. Um, 49% of malware is delivered via email. And 60% of small business owners say attacks are more sophisticated than ever. Uh, so that just feeds, you know, the fact that it is moving all the time, all the time. And I, I think that... As a small business, often we think uh, it's not going to affect us. Why would they, you know, why would they want to infiltrate my business? It's a small business. They'll be going for the big guys. That is just not true. So they go we, for the easy targets. They go for the easy targets. And also, and I have conversations about this with my husband very often, and I say, what's the point? What is the point? Now, okay, there's, there's ransomware, but sometimes people do it just because they can. Some people, you know... They're sitting for kicks. It, for kicks, yeah. Just to be able to immobilise a business uh, is a bit of a cause and effect thing. You know, it could, it could literally be a young person sitting in their bedroom somewhere in the world and they decide, ah, oh, here's an inroad in. Uh, so I think that none of us um, can be complacent. It's, it's something that we really need to focus on. I um, found a couple of interesting things. There was a toolkit by the National Cyber Security Centre, um, a board toolkit, which is downloadable. And it talks about what you need to know, what you need to be aware of. Uh, and it's even things like the different types of um, of cyber attacks, you know, and what do they mean and how do they work? Uh, and if you can start to understand how they might work, then you can think about how you manage that risk uh, and how you inform and educate your 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 staff so that um that report i think is a is a really interesting one and a really useful one because it it spells it out in layman's terms and and i found that really useful for my understanding um and then i also found if i can get it to load um i mean i'm having some some IT. I can hear the bing bong. Yeah, sorry, I'm computer. having IT problems. Uh, yeah, <laughs> talking about yes, it. Yes, not 
hopefully not what any, that anybody is infiltrating my uh, my my laptop. But um, yeah, the most common types of cyber attacks. Um, this is from um, Netrix. Um, it's a blog post, and they they look at you know what you're most likely. So there's denial of service. There's man in the middle. There's phishing and spear phishing. There's drive-by attacks, password attacks, SQL injection attacks, cross-site scripting, eavesdropping attack, birthday attack, malware attack. Now, I don't know what half of those are, but this document explains them uh, so that we can start to get our head around what we need to be looking out for. And as a minimum, to understand the lingo uh, so that you can educate yourself. So that's everything that's in advance of a, a mm. cyber attack and hopefully avoiding one. If you find yourself actually the subject of a cyber attack, then the National Cyber Security Centre, which Heather spoke about previously, ha has got some guidance on um, how to deal with a cyber incident. And in, in each of the points that they make, they're pointing you towards getting professional help. Uh, so for industry, academia, both private and public sector organisations, they're recommended that you seek help from a Crest approved provider. And that provider should help you to determine the extent of the incident, work to ensure the immediate impact is managed, provide recommendations to remediate the compromise and increase security across the network, produce an incident report, and also give an impact assessment. So that's dealing with a cyber attack in, in a very whistle-stop tour of that subject. But it's certainly worth you giving some attention to that because I think we mentioned this in the show last year, cybercrime is is overtaking the drugs world in terms of the, the way to, to make money from, from criminal activity. So... You know, you, you need to make sure that you're not one of the easy targets that these criminals are going to be going after. News and events this week takes us um, on a bit of a whistle-stop tour of, of largely the North. I've got some events starting with an event that I have mentioned before, but it is looming large. It's on the 17th of May. It's in Manchester. It's Manchester's largest free-to-attend business event. It runs from 9am to 3pm and it is... Uh, you can exhibit, you can attend. It's organised by Shoutout Network Limited and it has a whole host of exhibitors. You can register for your free delegate pass and there's great networking opportunities, um, opportunity to seek out new suppliers and or exhibit, as I say. And of course, the great thing about these types of expos is that you learn so much about what other businesses are doing, uh, which I always think is really is really interesting because you sort of you familiarize yourself with uh, what's what's important to business at the moment. Uh, so that's a good one for you. A day that is coming up later in the year is if you are a freelancer this might um, interest you it's the 20th of June uh, this one is taking place in London but it's National Freelancers Day uh, and this is a day of talks seminars workshops and interactive um, sessions around being uh, self-employed and looking for freelance work. There are speakers, workshops and um, some exhibitors and it has a programme of um, events covering well-being, digital, how to win work, uh, the finance, running your finances uh, and I just thought that looked like a really interesting one having been a freelancer for um, 
quite a bit of time. I thought, oh, actually, this would have been a good one for me earlier in my freelance career. But there we go. That one looks good. Then I have got um, Risky Business. This is a conference um, and this is aimed predominantly at um, improving safety and outcomes in healthcare and other other high risk industries. Easy for you to say. Uh, it it looks at people who run um, are involved in emergency services, sport and healthcare, but also business. It looks at how to manage risk, harness inv- innovation, improve teamwork, and look at leadership. Um, it's a full blown conference. Has lots of speakers. Uh, it's been running for a number of years and that is also in June and they will have uh, case studies of the Grenfell fire, the Manchester bombings, the Novichok incident and the Thai football cave rescue. So, um, you know, serious, serious incidents um, and how to manage that risk and deal with that risk. So it kind of follows on from that cyber uh, attack thing that we've been talking about. Tracy, what have you got? Okay, start off with one event. Um, HR Breakfast Seminar in Wrexham on Thursday the 16th of May. It's from 8am to 10.30 and it's an event discussing mental health and well-being in the workplace. And did you know that researchers found that one in three sick notes now relate to mental health? So this breakfast workshop is focusing on mental health and it's aimed at HR professionals and business owners. It's at the um, alternative board, which is for Edison Court, Ellis Way, which is just behind the Ramada Hotel there. There's plenty of parking outside and there's going to be specialist speakers. There's Head of Employment Law at Hillier McCune, Justine Watkinson, MD of Recruitment Marketing Company JVP, that's Kath Harrison, and owner of the Alternative Board in North East Wales, David Roberts. There will be, as well as the speeches, time to network and a, a panel Q&A session where you can ask any questions that you have related to health and well-being in the workplace. And then on to some meaty reports. Um, a report by Lloyds on the payment practices data that's been published up to November 2018 has just been published. And uh, a couple of interesting finds. On average, in the UK, it takes 37 days for a company to pay its suppliers. Wow. And and they, this is based on the payment practices report, which is yes. the larger companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 65% of companies report an average time to pay of longer than 30 days. And 9% of companies report an average time to pay of longer than 60 days. Now, interestingly enough, company size analysed by revenue does not appear to be a significant factor in the average time to pay. The very largest companies with revenue of greater than £500 million reported an average time to pay of just 38 days compared to the average of all them together of 37. And on average, 32% of invoices were paid later than the agreed terms. 23% of companies reported paying over 50% of their invoices later than agreed terms. And 2% of the companies that report said that they paid over 90% of their invoices late. So I went on to have a look at the business, the Small Business Commissioner's website. Now, we, we talked about this early last year when, when it was um, set up. Just interested to see whether it had got any teeth or not yet, because um, the idea is to help small businesses to... Um, 
to deal with payments from these larger suppliers and you can go to the small business commissioner and you can actually put in a complaint and they will help you to recover your money. So I I was pleased to see that a report uh, from the 16th of April shows that the small business commissioner has helped companies to claw back £3.1 million over the last six months. And figures show that the commissioner's office is actually sort of starting to have an effect on this, getting into its stride. Um, It had been criticised for making a slow start. We'd sort of observed that, hadn't we? We were wondering what was going on. And its mission is to help small businesses to recover money from the larger organisations. Obviously, there have been concerns that small businesses are reluctant to complain for fear that the larger clients won't use them anymore. Yeah, it's that's always a risk, isn't it? Thing, isn't it? But I've got one success story that I wanted to share with you, and that's from the Small Business Commissioner's website, dated the 8th of April. They published a report into the poor payment practices of Holland and Barrett. And this is on the back of an official complaint that was lodged by an anonymous technology-based company. So this company didn't want, it obviously didn't want the bad press that goes with being seen to be a complainer, that um, Holland and Barrett had failed to pay a £15,000 invoice for search engine optimization work. And the invoice took 67 days to be paid which was outside the contractual agreement of 30 days. Interestingly enough, It was after the commissioner intervened, Holland and Barrett paid, but still another 28 days afterwards. And the the company refused to talk to the commissioner about the case on several occasions. So the, the small business commissioner has now been in contact with Holland and Barrett to discuss its payment practices, but the Holland and Barrett are still not playing ball. Um, however, the, manage, the managing director of the complainant, the small business that cho- chose to remain anonymous, says, as a small business, a late payment of the amount in this case can have a big impact on us. What was particularly frustrating was that we felt Holland and Barrett were completely ignoring us and we were at risk of never being paid. So if you're a small business experiencing late payment issues with Holland and Barrett or indeed any other large business, It might be worth you now considering getting in touch with the Office of the Small Business Commissioner and and seeing if they can help you. I mean, that sounds like it's 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 starting to get some momentum because, uh, as we said, you know, it was slow off the ground. But it's good to hear that it's it's doing some great work. Yeah, one success story. Yes. Yeah. And I'm sure there will be others. It's just that that one is a biggie. uh, Is a biggie. Yeah. And we all know that cash flow you know, is is one of the hardest things to manage in a business. So um, so all, all strength to their elbow. You're listening to The Business Community on Callan FM. And this week we're reviewing quite an old book. It's from 1968 and it's a small book. In fact, a tiny book. Tiny weeny book. Teeny weeny book. And it's called The Greatest Salesman in the World, which sounds like it should be a big book. It's a big subject, isn't it? And we were able to find it in PDF form on the Internet of Things. Yay. So, um, so you <laughs> even don't even better. have to pay for it. Yes. So the author is Og Mandino. Og is his nickname. I don't actually know what his full name is. Anyway, we'll Mr. Og Mandino. <laughs> Mr. Mandino. <laughs> and I launched into it thinking, yeah, this is a story. I was settling myself in for a story. It all starts off along the narrative lines. And then I got a Bible story. But then 
I still enjoyed it. I I have no religion. I I, I don't care either way whether it was a, a Bible story or not. I saw through it and saw something that was of real value. It was embedded in the story. It just so happened to be a Bible story. And I know that this book has had a lot of criticism because of it. it it's sort of em- embeddedness in, in Christianity. But I think you, you could see through it. it you Go past that if, if you're not that way inclined. Read the story and read the message behind it. And I think you'll find that it's valuable never mind for just salesmanship it's a valuable read anyway did you like it Heather I did um I I I I like a story I'm I'm not as much a lover of stories as you are Tracy you know you you could tell her anything if you deliver it in a story she'll she'll accept it and and rate (laughs) it um but I I started off reading it and I thought you know what I'm going to skim read this because it's really not and I, I read it all I've read it all. And what, you mean all 68 pages? Yeah, I know. Yeah, but it was last night. So, I'll you know, you a medal. in my defence, yeah, it was like, oh, crikey, how am I going to get this? But I read it all. And from it, um, there are some really, from a sales point of view, uh, some really key messages that that a lot of us um, already know, um, might have forgotten. Uh, and if you just wrote the, 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 the 10 points on post-its and stuck them on your mirror, every time th- you think that you, you're you the kiddie when it comes to sales, this might just remind you to, you know, stop being so overconfident. Yeah. And every time you think that you're pants at it, this might just remind you that you've got to keep on, develop good habits and stick at them. So there's some really sound yeah. advice. It's not like a practical do this, this and this. No, no, it's, no. it's a philosophy of sales. It's an attitude, yeah. isn't it? It's an attitude, yeah, yeah. And and I I really I really like that. Um, I, I too have no no faith. Um, I don't have a religion. Uh, but that actually didn't matter to start with. I thought it was going to be a problem. I was thinking, where is this going? But actually, it works brilliantly. It's very clever. Um, and the fact that it was written in 1968 is neither here nor there because no. it could have been written today. Well, it because was because of when it's set. It was set in the time that when Jesus was yes, born. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's any, timeless. Any time between then and now, it yes. could have been written. Yeah. And it, it's telling the story of Havid, uh, a poor camel boy, who achieves a life of abundance. And actually, having said it's a, a tiny, tiny weeny book of only 68 pages. If you read it in the way that Ogmandino suggests, it would actually take you 10 months to read the mm. book. Mm. So it might be tiny, but it's mighty. <laughs> and and one of the reasons, without giving away too much of the um, the way that it, that, that it works, is that one of the recommendations is that you should form good habits and become their slave. And as we already know, it takes 30 days to form a habit. So you have to do something every day for 30 days for it to be a habit. And within this book, throughout this book, there is something, there are things that you need to be doing for 30 days. And so it's no accident that that's about habit forming. This is about changing your outlook, changing your attitude. Your mindset. Your mindset, yeah, yeah, towards sales. Because I don't know about anybody else listening, but, you know, day one of sales school, you know, the first thing is you've got to start somewhere. You, you know, you can't, you, you can only spend so much time if you're doing telemarketing, 
producing this fantastic list of all the people that you're going to phone. Uh, no, you've <laughs> you've got to pick the phone up and you've got to <laughs> dial the number. Or you, you can spend ages tweaking a letter. You've got to send it. Knocking on doors, you've got to go and knock on a door. So, um, it, so it reinforces that. And I think, uh, and it says, failure will never overtake you if your determination to succeed is strong. And I think that that's, that's true. I think it's, I, think, I liked it. I liked it. Who would yeah. you recommend it to, Tracy? Oh, do you know what? Anybody, because it's such a short read that you, you can read it. We, everybody has to sell something at some point, whether it's an idea. I mean, this week I've been selling the idea to my kids of actually getting up and getting dressed. I know okay. it's a school holiday. Yeah. We might leave the house at some point during this school Let's holiday. Let's try that for 30 days. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, particularly if you're unsure or uncertain about your ability to sell and, and the story does include a character who who didn't believe he was a good salesman and and it there's nothing here about actually selling stuff the advice isn't about you know the as i said no practical guidance on selling stuff it's about getting your head right so if you're just wanting to build your confidence if you've got to tackle something that you're not sure that you can do and then have a read of this book. I'd be really interested to know if anybody's read the book in the way prescribed and actually spent a month reading the book. And So three times a day. Each chapter you read three times a day and one of those times you read it out loud as well. And I'd be really interested to know the impact that that's had on somebody who, who's done it. I have to hold my hands up and say I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to spend 10 months reading the book. no. No, well, you don't need to because you read it now. And yes, you, but you, the point is repetitive. I know. It's, it, and that's, yeah, that's it being, yeah, sticking in your brain. Yeah. And, 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 and and I think a lot of the books that we review, um, and certainly true of this one, when, when life's going swimmingly, when everything's working brilliantly, you don't need these books. You don't need them at all. But it's when you meet a hurdle or a challenge or you lose your mojo or you lose your belief or you forget how to do something or you lose connection with your purpose whatever it is that's when these books really come into their own and of course you don't need them when you know you, you don't need to know how to you don't need um uh, the five two diet when when you when you're underweight you know but as soon as it's the point at which you need something that it, that it has its most value and i think that's certainly that's true of this book so that's the book is called the greatest salesman in the world i keep wanting to say the greatest show i know <laughs> yeah i know that's um and i've got the tune playing in my yes, head <laughs> this is the greatest salesman yeah and the author is ogmandino you can find it on amazon but you can also find free versions on pdf and we will put a link on our website and should you choose to accept the challenge, go to our website. And we've been watching Mission Impossible films this week. That's uh, <laughs> the message uh, will not self-destruct. Yes. yes. Okay. Anyway, okay. should you choose to accept, then you go to our website and have a look through the list of books that we've already reviewed. Click on a few of those links. And maybe if you buy one or two of those books, we'll get a couple of pence, which will enable us to keep our website and our SoundCloud ac account going. The website is thebusiness.community. Our business uh, person this week is a lady who I actually knew nothing about. And then her name cropped up while we were researching um, 
Scylla Snowball, yes, the lady with the best name in the world, um, a few weeks ago, um, mainly because they buy clothes from the same um, London uh, outfitters. But I digress. This lady is a lady called Inette Picardo, or Picardo, I guess it's Picardo. I've been saying Picardo in my head. Yes, I I guess it is. Um, And she is the managing director of one of the biggest online shops that isn't the one that begins with A that we all all know about. This is Etsy. Uh, And for those of you who um, aren't familiar with Etsy, it's... It's a portal where people sell their crafts, their products uh, online and they they um, pride themselves on offering things that aren't readily found elsewhere. This lady in particular, Annette Picardo, she used to work for Not on the High Street, which I think a lot of us will have heard of um, and is very keen to reinvigorate the high the modern high street i guess as it is uh so we thought we'd have a look and see what she's all about but goodness me as tracy said before we came on air there's more about us on on the internet than (laughs) there is about this lady yes (laughs) so she was she's not um she she, she's quite a private person and keeps herself to herself but she uh, is hugely successful in her work um and attributes the secrets of her success uh, that um, when when she was interviewed in the Evening Standard in 2017, she said that um, she got a great break um, during her career and and uh, getting this role was it. Uh, she and I think we all get if we're lucky, we get a break at some point in our career and it takes us in a particular um, direction. But she says um, the best thing in, her, in terms of her career was getting this role. It didn't happen in a very straightforward way. I worked out through the power of online stalking that there wasn't a UK country manager at Etsy because this isn't a, a business founded in 2005 in the USA and she thought that would be her dream job so she hunted down Nicole (laughs) Vanderbilt um, and basically said give me the job I want that job but uh, Ms Vanderbilt uh, said well you haven't got any um, you haven't got any experience so that's not going to work so I went and got a job at Etsy in a different role using the experience that I'd got at not on the high street and um, worked my way worked my way through um, in fact she got her job as UK managing director um, when they'd interviewed and nobody was suitable <laughs> so so Ms Vanderbilt said I tell you what why don't you give it a go and the rest as they say is history so it, and, and what keep I keep going, keep going. Yeah. And actually, sometimes when I'm coaching people, we talk about their dream job and, and they say, oh, you know, I need to get another job, blah, blah, blah. And I say to them, approach the company that you want to work for, because there might be a role that hasn't yet been advertised. And that's this what this lady has done. It's example. a classic example. So, um, yeah, I love that about her. What did you find out, Tracy? Okay, a couple of things about her family stood out for me. So she said that her mum is her role model and she's an inspiration. She worked as a microbiologist and then took a career break to have three children. And then after they'd grown up, she retrained in podiatry and started her own practice. 
She's a woman after my own heart there. (laughs) And her dad joined the business as her secretary. So she's technically retired now, but she still teaches sculpture. Oh, And sells her own art. And she says even though uh, her mum's CV looks random on paper, she used her talents to have a really varied and fulfilling career. So big thumbs up from me on that one. And then about her husband. So... Um, she, her and her husband have been referred to as the modern day power couple. And oh. her husband is called Leonard Picardo. Leonardo? Leonardo? Anyway, Picardo. Leonardo Picardo. <laughs> or Leonard oh. Picardo. I'm not quite that sure. Like a great name. Um, and he is um, the global marketing director for Deliveroo. And they balance their high profile careers with their parental responsibilities in a, a very practical way in that um, they shared their parental leave. So uh. um, her husband also took four months off and then they split split the next six months between them. And now Annette works four days a week, which works just fine for her. And she says it's hard getting the balance right, but you just have to accept that you can't be perfect. And in Annette's words, she say you can have it all. Uh, she says the you can have it all mantra is a really dangerous one and she said it's about balance and doing the best that you can so um yeah modern day power couple there are there are a couple of interviews with her about um this whole shared parental leave yeah. so it's obviously a thing that's, that's, that's worked thing that's really well there. for her yeah yes yeah um yeah i mean i i thought what I found out about her was interesting. I listened to a podcast where she was being interviewed about um, Christmas, the Christmas um, high street trade. And also she talked about Christmas from the point of view of Etsy. And um, back in 2016, um, there are stats where they say that uh, in the UK, uh, Etsy has created 150,000 creative entrepreneurs who are building their business through the Etsy platform. 86% are women, 86%, which is a massive stat in terms of the usual entrepreneurial balance. Uh, so she takes great pride in the fact that they're able to create this platform. And these aren't just people who are making, you know, knitting dollies at home. These are people who are making amazing things. And this is a way for them to sell them without having to walk around trying to get their products placed within uh, high street shops so Etsy itself is an interesting study maybe we yeah. should spend a bit of time looking at looking at Etsy yeah, yeah. I, I did find out that um, she's put money where her mouth is here and um, they've implemented at Etsy a policy that intends to be flexible gender neutral and actively counteract unconscious bias and she said that research shows that both mothers and fathers face biases and unique pressures at work when looking to take time off and you don't often hear this said but fathers who take take leave have experienced lower performance ratings and steeper reductions in future earnings. So she's looking to um, to implement this policy that's there um, to benefit mothers and fathers equally. Oh, and children, indeed. And ch- Yeah, th- yes, of course, because <laughs> that's what it's all about, really. Yeah, so an in- hard to find out anything about her, but I'm glad that we went through the process. Uh, so, yeah, that's Annette Picardo. Um, if you do know that we should be pronouncing it differently, then please do get in touch.
So that's all we've got time for this week. It seems to have gone really quickly again this week. Um, we'll be back again. Oh, no, I'm back next week. Heather, Heather's swanning off somewhere. So <laughs> No, I'm doing paid work. That's oh, what right. I'm doing. <laughs> that's always good. <laughs> so I'll be back next week. And then uh, Heather's going to be on her own the week after. So uh, we, we When won't... you are swanning off. Yeah, I am. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> that's all for now, folks. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to The Business Community with me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. Join us next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business.